to all my guys, gals, and non-binary pals of audio podcast land. And welcome to another episode of Knights of Paint Town, a City of Mist actual play podcast. I am your master of ceremonies, Mikey, the host with the most, so to speak. You can follow me on my personal social medias at Pop Culture Geek across the interwebs, but you can also follow us at Vibe Tribe Productions and make sure that you give us a and follow to stay up to date on all the actual play podcasts and pop culture podcasts that we have here at the Vibe Tribe. Make sure that you stay close attention to the socials as we shall be announcing our season two lineup as well as the cast very soon. So. Of course, I can never do this game alone. I have my lovely riffs here with me tonight. So we're going to go through introductions really quick, and then we're going to jump into the session proper. So I'm going to begin things up. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. I have decided that, Echo, my friend, you shall be the first to go. Hey, everyone. This is the wonderful Echo. I, you may have heard me from Friday Night Fights as the wonderful manager, John, and other stuff that I've been appearing here and there at. But here, I play Corey O'Reilly, your old mobster, with the mythos of Dagda. But you should know all this by now. We have how many episodes at this rate? I lost, I believe we're over 20? Yeah. So you had to skip 20 episodes, I believe, before you got here. Go re-listen to all of them because I'll give it because I give out better explanations there than here. Okay, okay. I shall pass it on. Thank you. And of course, my other lovely player joining us tonight is the one and only Josh. Guten Tag und Hallo Alasatzen. It is I, Josh, aka MG Preacher. As Echo stated, if you haven't listened to any of these other podcasts, yeah, go back and listen to the other ones, and then when you get back here, let us know how it's going so far. Tonight, I will be playing Friedrich Krupp, Paint Town's very lovable German love, Sergeant Friedrich Krupp of the Paint Town Police Department. And of course, if you've listened to this podcast many times over, you would know that Friedrich's character cannot be completed without out mentioning his lovable canine companion, Cerberus, who is a very lovable Rottweiler. But there's something you should know. His mythos is Cerberus. Yes, the three-headed guardian of the underworld. Let's get going, see what happens. Oh my goodness, I love it. I love it, I really do. Alrighty. So... Let's jump in tonight proper with a quick recap. So last time on Knights of Pain Town, we had a little bit of a more calmer episode. We left our riffs as they were investigating the Kent's case. And after some disagreements, after interviewing a person of interest, they all parted ways for the evening where we got to witness two different heartwarming and some nice downtime kind of things. Corey ended up going on a date that his daughters signed him up for via the Plenty of Riffs dating app. Yes, we're making this canon. 
And he had a lovely evening at seeing the Adams family in the park as part of their in the park stage play series. While uh, our good old hunk of German love over here, after making sure that Officer Quinn going full coyote ugly after having one too many adios motherfuckers <laughs> spotted Officer Dawes and they had a nice heart to heart moment. Both of them actually had a very good time, both our German love and O'Reilly having a nice night. And upon waking up the next morning and talking briefly at the local coffee shop, they were both summoned to the precinct where the chief had them come into the office and they were formally introduced to a P.I. Buddy holiday. And that is where we're going to pick up. So really quickly, just as a reminder to you, the players and to the listening audience, P.I. Buddy Holiday is basically he's basically in your typical like P.I. He's got the large overcoat detective's jacket, large detective hat, so to speak. He's basically the embodiment of Dick Tracy is essentially what this whole getup is screaming right now. Who knows? And he might at, he might actually be Dick Tracy. He oh my gosh. Nah, I mean he looks like Dick Tracy, but he's act for all intents and purposes, he is a sleeper. So he doesn't really have any rift powers, but he's not dumb either. <laughs> but anyways, so Officer Krupp and Corey, you two P.I. Holiday is there, so Buddy Ho- so Holiday is there. He just looks you two up and down and says, wow. I mean, in person, I was expecting something interesting is the better word, but honestly, mm, this is fine. Okay. <laughs> That's just grab a cup of co- like a cup of coffee and drinks it. So, yeah. Also is grabbing a cup of coffee. Okay, so you guys grab a cup of coffee and then the chief has you sit. And so as you two sit and are drinking your cup of coffee, chief kind of goes, Mr. Holiday here has requested your help, as it seems that your case and his case that he's investigating seem intertwined with each other. And as he says this, the chief pulls out a file that Holiday gave him. And as the chief opens up this file, various pictures of you see a case file. And it seems that Mr. Holiday has been investigating the disappearance of Mrs. Woodsworth, which, as to remind you, is the wife of the person that you interviewed at the apartment complex so she's been missing and she did mention to you that a pi holiday was investigating but wasn't really getting any results as quick as she'd like but on top of that case file you also see that there are a very variety of pictures of you two and the rest of your crew at different places so far over the course of this investigation. There's pictures of you walking out of Shinobi Sushi. There's pictures of you walking out of the different places you have visited so far. So it seems that 
a holiday has been keeping tabs on you all. And so as the chief kind of lets you examine this holiday from behind says, yeah, it seems that our interests are intertwined here. So I figure instead of having you work against me, I think it would be in our best interest that we work together to figure out what exactly is going on here. And he gives this very smarmy smile as he says this. So, boys, I have a proposition for you. Let us join forces and let us see what awaits us at the conclusion of this case. If you think it will get this case taken care of quicker. Sure. Corey's keeping an eye on him, though. Of course. Because with the private investigator, he was looking into who, who's missing. That means someone else wants this information as well, not the wife. Um, Corey, Corey might be dumb like me sometimes, but he pays attention. Okay. So, with that agreement, Holiday just gives a sigh of relief. Oh, oh, I'll be honest, that was a lot easier than I expected. And it's a good thing I didn't have to use these in order to pressure you into doing so. Oh, here you go. You can have these back. I don't really need them anymore at this point. And he hands each of you a file. I'm going to read the file. Okay. So as the two of you read your read the files that you were given, you open it up. And for a private investigator, Holiday has done his research because each of the files is about you, about your history. Lot, there's a lot of profiling notes in there about personality-wise, relationships, where you live, connections you may or may not have in the city, just some known facts about you. This man has a dossier on both of you. And as you continue to read, too, while he hasn't put the pieces together and hasn't outright wrote in the dossier rift, you can tell by his notes that he's getting very close in terms of piecing together that there is more than meets the eye, so to speak. And you come to the conclusion that Holiday was going to use this as leverage to pressure you too into joining up with him. Otherwise, all of your information would be leaked. <laughs> so yeah, Holiday gets the job done, but he's not the most honorable PI in the business. He does what he deems necessary to get the job done. Yeah, I could just picture Friedrich reading his quote-unquote dossier, and just like nine-tenths of it is just saying, God, this guy is boring. Gory's like, the man does his research, but there's some facts wrong here and there. I see you made several grammatical errors here. That and other things. Oh my gosh. It's like, like, (laughs) Friedrich's looking at his paper, it's like, well, there's one thing wrong here. It's spelled with a C-H, not with a K. Oh, my goodness. So, as you finish the file, the chief kind of just... <laughs> and just gives his cough for the attention. It, for, on a t- for right now, for a temporary basis, the three of you will be working together. You three are to head to the fairgrounds, as you have said before, to see what you can find there. I've already sent... 
Officer Dawes and Officer Quinn ahead of you. And they will meet you there. But time is of the essence. Are you too familiar with the rumors that have been going around about the fairground? I've kept my nose to the grindstone, so no. Sadly. Okay. What the rumors? Okay. So the chief kind of pushes back in his chair a little bit and kind of sits more upright. There have been multiple reports that there are strange sounds coming from the abandoned fairground. It's the sounds of what seem to be metal, the sounds of banging metal. And some say that they can also hear the faint haunting screams of a variety of people. I don't lend credence to such things, but given the current situation and how strange this case has been going so far, I want you two to be very careful. Because while this fairground has been abandoned for quite some time, who knows what kind of things lie in wait for you. So just make sure to take the utmost caution. And And for the first time, and quite some time for both of you. Usually the chief is a more of a jovial nature, but this is the first time in a long time that you see him take a more serious tone in his speech. So he means business with this one, and he genuinely wants you two to be very careful. Corey still, once, he, once they get there, he's going to tell him his dumbass plan. <laughs> Alrighty. So on that little notion... The chief dismisses you three from the office and kind of you find your way out and back into the main HQ portion of the police station. So Holiday turns to you both and says, then if you two are ready, let's make haste and head over to the fairgrounds. Yep, let's go. As he texts this free trick saying, he's going to awaken soon. Be prepared for questions of the future. I send that text to Friedrich. Because he knows this is going to happen one way or another. He's going to figure out. And then that's just going to be a whole conversation for another day. It's better said fair warning now than later. Alrighty. So the three of you pile into the car and you make your way on over to the fairgrounds. Okay. The fairgrounds is a little ways outside of the city, so this is going to be the first time this whole entire campaign so far that you're going to be outside of the actual city limits. So as you are leaving the scene of the city behind you, you are greeted with the sight of a very picturesque scene of the forest as you're traveling in between the trees down the winding road. And within about 30 minutes, you guys arrive at the site of the abandoned fairground. As you get out of the car and you take a look at the dilapidated fairground in front of you, the wind blows over the open gray flats where the old Fair, fun fair stands, a cluster of rickety booths and faded tents. The once flashing signs now hang crooked with broken neon tubes and washed out lettering. Torn and colorous tent tarps flap repeatedly in the wind. 
In the distance, you see a Ferris wheel loom above the countless crest of abandoned rides, games, and what looks to be oddity shows. And standing in front of you is the big archway sign, one side of it collapsed, which reads the Lemos Carnival. But as you take a look at the site in front of you, you feel the overwhelming presence and uneasiness of abandonment as you do not see a single soul in sight other than you three. As you guys are taking this in, you hear the sound of footsteps approach. And as you turn towards the source, Officer Dawes and Officer Quinn approach just looking at you three and just the same expression crosses their face as it does yours. This expression of uneasiness as to investigating a long abandoned carnival, which was once filled with the sounds of laughter and joy is now filled with the eerie silence of the memories left behind. Dawes kind of shudders a little bit and turns to you. Corey and you, Friedrich, this gives, this place gives me the creeps. Before we enter, do we have a plan as to f in investigate here? Or does anyone have any ideas is the better question. I bet there's people actually here. So I do not believe this plan is smart, but I believe it is logical from my situation. You people go in stealthily, and I'll make some noise. Okay. Okay, so... <laughs> I will play it at the beginning. So you're going to cause a distraction, and you're going to let the other four go in and try to be sneaky as they investigate. Yes. My goodness. <laughs> it feels like Corey has done this several times. That's why he's bringing up this plan. Alrighty. Corey lays out this plan for you, and Dawes and Quinn just look. They don't really say anything. Friedrich, do you have a response to this? I was gonna say, when Dawes and Quinn come up, and as Dawes kind of shudders because this place is creeping her out, on the inside, Friedrich is also a little weirded out by the eeriness of this place. But his demeanor and the expression on his face is just completely steadfast. Like, nothing is phasing him. And for a moment or two, he's just slowly scanning the tents and the sheds. And then when Corey comes off with this off-the-wall plan, Friedrich is just going to half-turn towards the group so he can still keep an eye on the sheds and the tents. I think it would be best if perhaps you and... I turn towards Holiday and I say... You and the, our new acquaintance here get the vehicle out of sight while the site has the four of us, and I point towards Cerberus and Das and Quinn. We'll make our way up to the, to the first building, and I'll have one of us send you a message if we need you to take the vehicle and make a distraction. I'd like for us to stay as, as quiet as possible for as long as possible. Okay, as, as I look at Holiday, it. All right, let's get these let's get these out of the way. And of course, I also turn. I look towards Holiday. Do you have any objections to this? Holiday just looks at you and says, 
No, not really. We're working together, so I have no qualms with this. And as he says that, he from his coat pocket, he takes out his pissed toxic back. And it's just like, all right, all right, Friedrich, you can lead the way then. <laughs> all right. And with this being said, I'm going to go to the... I know we didn't specify, but did Quinn and them, did they take the SUV? Yeah, they did. Okay. So I'm going to go back to the SUV and get out Cerberus's vest. I'm going to put that on him. And I know a few sessions back, we stated that we had a, a small shotgun for basically a breaching shotgun. I want to get that ready and I want to hand that off to Quinn. And then we're, I'm guessing around these this places, the grass and the weeds are tall. Since this place had been abandoned for so long, mm-hmm. I, want, I want me, Quinn, Doss, and Cerberus to make our way through the tall grass, sneaky breaky like. And then once, theoretically, once we get up to the first building, I want to wave, signaling for Corey to get the vehicle out of sight. He's already put his, he's already hid his car away. I don't know, did Holiday bring his own vehicle? No, so Holiday rode with you two, so he came in with your guys' ride, and all he really has is his pistol. That's about it. So I'm so I'm gonna take the SUV then and start to hide that because I already hit my own. Also, yes, the SUV can take a little more damage than my car, I believe. It is a police SUV, but I'm scared where this might lead. Oh, O'Reilly says he'll make a distraction. He will make a distraction. I have the unnerving suspicion (laughs) that Corey is just going to put the pedal to the metal and just start driving through everything. Oh, boy. Back to the story, though. The four of us being me and Cerberus and Quinn and Doss, we're going to start like half crouching and making our way through the grass up to the first tent or shed or building or whatever it is that you've got set up for us. This is gonna be fun. Boy. Alrighty. I should probably get my dice ready, shouldn't I? Mm, not yet. You weren't yet. Exactly. Alrighty, so... Corey, I guess we're gonna start with you with this distraction, so... I'm gonna regret it saying... I'm gonna regret asking that. Wait did, wait, did they give me the signal to actually cause one? No, we didn't give the signal to cause the distraction. I just kind of waved to let you know, okay, we're in position. Go ahead and get the vehicles out of sight. Yeah, I'm getting the vehicles out of sight first. I'm waiting for the permission. Do it. Okay. Got it. The do it will be in the form of a text. (laughs) Gotcha. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. Okay, so Daz, Quinn, Friedrich, and Holiday, the four of you enter into the fairground with Corey hiding the cars and awaiting the signal. Okay, we split the party. Excellent. <laughs> okay. Okay. Since Holiday's coming with us, I thought Cerberus was coming with us, but yeah, in this case, Cerberus can stay with, with Corey. Oh, okay. Corey, I assume that Corey's not by himself. So I, I assume am, that's. Go ahead. I'm fine being alone. All right. If you're sure about that, then I guess the doggo came with us then. It is totally your choice, so you can either bring Cerberus with you, or you can leave him with Cory. Even if Cory's fine alone, Cerberus is your pupper, so you can decide what you do with him. Do you want to take him, or do you want to leave him? 
I think I'm going to bring Cerberus with us because actually a lot of canine units have it to where they set up a camera on the dog's vest. So if we need eyes inside of a building or something, we'll have a very good advantage. Yeah, Cerberus is coming with us then. Okay. Alrighty. This is going to be a fun one. Okay. So as the five of you, minus Corey, enter the fairgrounds, you get a more in-depth look at the abandoned and decrepitation of this fairground. There are lots of carts and props and machinery laid about, tarps kind of all over the place. I, let's see, Friedrich, I want you to roll a... Sneak around for me, please. Okay, roll both the both the d6s. Yep. So roll up the two d6. Okay. And then, are there any tags you think you can add to this? I completely forgot about tags. In a moment. Let's see here. I okay, believe the dog um, could help in this situation. Yeah. Okay. One is in the training category, and that's seen it before because the three slash four of us has had to stack up and infiltrate buildings and stuff like this before at some point in our career. Mm. Since we have our pistols, our vests, and on Cerberus's vest, we also have that, that camera. I would also like to have standard equipment. And I don't know whether... I don't have... You tell me, Mikey, which one would be... More for a situation like this, man's best friend for Cerberus or Sikkim, because right now we don't know who or what is here, so I don't think we're necessarily trying to catch something at the moment. So I'm thinking of maybe the man's best friend. That is exactly what I was going to say, because Sikkim refers to if you were in a fight so man's best friend would work wonders in this one okay if you would allow i would also like to have the man's best friend tag because not only is cerberus also walking with us cerberus has a lot better hearing and sense of smell than us so he would be able to hear if some someone or something was coming up behind us or moving around behind the wall that we're sneaking around so, if it's uh, if it's okay with you, I would like to add those three tags, please. Yeah, that will definitely work. So roll your two d six and then add plus three to it. Alrighty, leaner. You know what? Forget the tray. I'm glad I said forget the tray. Oh my god, you're not gonna you're not gonna believe this. Plus three, right? That would be a fifteen. Okay, so. On a plus 12, this is an extraordinary success, and it's going to grant some special benefits, according to my choosing. All right. Yeah. All righty. As the five of you spread out into the fairground and just make your way stealthily, you guys are able to maneuver past all the rubble and all of the debris without really bringing too much attention to yourself. Friedrich, you and Cerberus have done this many times through multiple trainings, and you are able to find the best way forward without bringing too much attention to yourself. 
and you the as you go further into the fairgrounds you and cerberus find yourself in a clearing surprisingly you find yourself in front of an abandoned and torn up tattered tent and on the outside of said tent you just see a faded kind of sign that advertises for the eighth wonder of the world the man with the iron lung the man with the iron lung so before we're necessarily in the clearing i want us to sit tight and i just want to basically sit and listen slowly scan slowly scan the immediate area see if there's like any move any movement that's not supposed to be there Okay, so I'm going to have you roll investigate for this one. So look at your tags. You're going to roll 2d6 for investigate. And what tags do you think apply to this scenario? Okay, I need to check my papers again. It's so long. Okay, let's see here. Of course, I want to do seen it before because this is a standard practice that we all do. Again, I want to add man's best friend because servers might notice something that I don't. And I am not going to invoke standard equipment because we're not using any specialized equipment since we're just sitting and listening. Okay. So, yeah, those will work. So roll your 2d6 and add the bonus from your tags there to see what happens. Okay, so it's a plus two because you add a man's best friend as well. Okay. My God, my dice are on fire. That is, that is a thirteen. Okay, another extraordinary success. So, I'm going to narrate a little bit because you've rolled high enough, and this is actually going to be interesting. So, Friedrich, as you just stand still and you close your eyes a little bit to listen to your surrounding, you tap into Cerberus's sense of hearing as well since Cerberus essentially is a extension of yourself so as you tap in you into Cerberus's sense of hearing you just hear a variety of sounds you hear in more detail the sound of the wind as it is blowing the breeze through the fairground you also hear the various sounds of the tent flapping with it but then you hear something very intriguing. Within an extraordinary success and in tapping into Cerberus's hearing, coming from the Ferris wheel in the distance, you hear the faint din of what sounds to be a hammer striking some sort of metal and just the cl clang in the distance coming from the ferris wheel which is very odd and strange especially since the fact that this is an abandoned fairground or at least it's supposed to be i'm not going to say anything but i'm going to turn around to the group that is with me and i'm going to hold my finger up to my up to my mouth basically saying basically showing them be quiet and I'm going to tap my ear, letting them know that I hear something. 
and then I'm going to point towards the Ferris wheel. Okay, so you say that, but Friedrich, there's one little problem. Uh oh. You give the sign and you look around. Your compatriots are nowhere to be found. You guys split up when you got inside and you spread out. You were in a singular line, but you were heading in different directions forward. I didn't know. I didn't know that. I thought we were stacked up because the way you described it, you had them. And in your words, you had them fan out. In all honesty, I do not recall saying fan out. But if you're saying that's what happened, that's what happened. Yeah. All right. So in that case, I want to know if this is okay. Hypothetically speaking, if we go into a situation like that, my team, their their radios are down really low and their phones are set to basically a vibrate. So I would like to send, if at all possible, I'd like to send Quinn and Doss a message. Metal hammer from Ferris wheel. Or faint metal hammer from Ferris wheel. Okay. So you go ahead and you send. So you type this out on your phone and you send a message. But then you get a vibe, you get a vibration on your phone. And as you take a look at it, you look at your phone in the text message and it says message not sent. There's no cell reception here, is there? As you take a look at your bars, you you have none. And it is at. Oh, no. And at this moment, I wonder when I'll get that signal. Friedrich, I need you to roll a face danger for me. Oh, boy. Okay. um, Do tags come into effect in this as well? If you think you can find some that apply. Okay. I believe this um, depends on how much noise again, is made here. Facing danger, of course, I want to apply the scene up before because has had to deal with danger pretty much his entire police career. Standard equipment because I do have my vest and I do have my firearm. Man's best friend because Cerberus is with me and he is a police canine. And as I stated before, a Cerberus also has his vest. But... Since it's face danger, I want to apply a weakness tag. I want to apply stress and thrill of the kill. Okay. So, so invoking all those. All that would be a plus, plus one. One. I remembered. Oh my God. Yay. That last one was a leaner. Good luck, preacher. See, that is a six and a four. Plus one, uh, that would be an 11. Okay. Okay, so this is a strong success, which will grant you mostly benefits. (laughs) Mostly benefits. So as you're, so Friedrich, as you're trying to process the fact that, one, your team has nowhere to be seen, and you've just realized you have no cell reception, thanks to the quick work of Cerberus tugs at your leg for you to just instinctively drop to the ground as you feel and you hear what seems to be a clanging of metal kind of start bumping into each other and as you back away with Cerberus you turn around to look in front of you is a 
slender looking woman, but upon inspection that she has a prosthetic metallic jaw. So she has like a giant metal jaw hinging off the top of her mouth and she just turns her head to the side, staring at you ominously. And before you get a chance to go for it. Oh, I I was just sitting here. I was just going, yeesh. Yeah. And then before you get a chance to react again, because Cerberus pulls you out of the way, you are barely, you barely miss what seems to be some sort of blade sweeping across the top of your head as Cerberus has you duck down, hit the floor. And as you look up, you see a slender looking man who has a prosthetic leg, but instead of like it being shaped in an actual leg, it has a blade attached to it. And as you look around, you start to see that there is a bunch of other individuals with modified metallic body parts begin to surround and enclose you. I'm going to... One uh, gunshot. One gunshot. Let's see. uh, Did you say they're starting to surround me? Or just a group of them is coming my way? A group of them are starting to, like, circle around you, but there's enough distance and they're are surrounding you, but as you take a look, they're just just standing there. I'm going to menacingly. (laughs) Yeah, they're just standing there menacingly. I'm going to try to get get out of there and get some distance between me and these things. And as I'm doing that, I'm going to click my radio and saying. I don't know what the hell these are, but they are not friendlies here. Okay. Do, so do I gonna... hear this on the other end of the radio? If you are in the SUV, I mean, providing if Mikey's okay with this, if you are either you sitting in the, the SUV there? or next to the SUV, you would hear on our scanners that we have in the SUV, me on the radio. But that's only if Mikey is okay with that. So as you put this message onto the radio, Friedrich, you do get a response. However, the voice on the other end is very unfamiliar to you. And as you kind of finish giving this message, you hear the click of the radio and this voice begins to speak and says, "Ah, my young Friedrich. I was just like, don't you know that it's never okay to run from your problems don't worry i believe that i can help you and i can fix what is broken and as you're kind of running you find yourself running to, away from this group of people with them now slowly coming after you and you run into dawes as she's being chased by also similar looking modified metallic individuals and she just looks at you and says, Friedrich, what the hell is happening? Oh, how am I supposed to know? Did I this hear this? You. Corey, you did not, but I'm going to come to you in a sec. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, since we're both kind of freaking out about this. Also, at a glance, do we see Quinn anywhere? Nope. Quinn and Holiday are nowhere to be found. I'm going to just kind of look at Doss. And then just... 
like fire a shot into the ground. Okay, so you fire a shot, and you over the radio here. Oh, Friedrich, there's no need to be so hostile. If you wanted to come see me, here, let me help you. And at that moment, you feel the ground begin to shake a little bit, and you feel vibrations coming from all around your area. Think of it as kind of similar to a sonic grenade where it's basically explosions underneath the boardwalk that are happening. But instead of your standard fiery explosions, it's more of like a sonic sound wave pulsating as they explode. And as you feel these vibrations coming from underneath, you begin to feel the floor beneath you crumble and crack. And before you know it, you, Cerberus and Dawes, find yourself free falling below the surface of the fairground. Exactly. So the three of you are falling and we'll come back to you shortly. Corey, at this time, you feel the same sonic vibrations coming from the from the fairground. Okay, we're going in. And uh, so Corey does, oh, this is all, the plan has gone pretty much as bad as it could. And sadly, there was no distraction, so there was only one person taken with it. So he's going to put on the speakers on the police car because I did some research beforehand. He's going he's gonna to start up the music as Dangerous Days by My Chemical Mormon starts playing, and he's just going to Make some noise and drive straight into the into there. Okay. So Corey, you begin hauling ass in the SUV into the fairground, just crashing through things. And you end up crashing through the fairground entrance. You are easily able to go through the props and the tents. And before you know it, you find yourselves skidding into where you feel the source of the sounds coming from and you see the same group of metallic modified individuals just looking at you as you're coming to a halt and they're kind of staring at you I get out of the car so which of you are first as he pulls out the bat so which one of you are first they don't respond they just stand there and they're not really making a move on you. And as you take a look around, you see a large hole into the ground. Oh. Makes sense for the vibrations. Wait a second. As he's gonna say, as he turns up the radio, it's like, this is Bandit. Who's on the other end? <sighs> so, Corey, you also hear an. Well, you hear a voice that is not Dawes, Quinn, Holiday, or Friedrich, so it is somebody else. However, you are familiar with this voice. Hi, lad. What have I told you about going into dangerous places? Nothing. You're a terrible father. Isn't that... Is that any way to talk to your dear old dad? No, but you are a devil. So, yes. Ah, I'm sure that... A pleasant chat is out of the question. Let's be honest, one of us would, would make sure that doesn't happen, no matter what. Then maybe I can offer you something that might entice you to 
have a conversation with your dear old dad. Why don't you go ahead and talk, sweetheart? And on the other line, you hear the very familiar voice. Dad, what's going on? Corey, just... This is... Sorry, honey. This is your grandfather. He's a terrible man. Dad? We're scared. Be there, don't worry. Just... Can you put the other man on? And so, without hesitation, the radio goes back on. I never considered that you would have children. They are very beautiful, son. Yes. Corey's only in simple answer mode. So, lads, let's have a little reunion. Why don't you make your way to the Ferris wheel, and we'll have this conversation there. He's going to... He's going to nod if he's just going to drive the car to there. Okay. Spare to have any, anything at your arsenal against this man. Okay. All righty. So you're driving towards the Ferris wheel. We'll come back to you shortly. Oh, Friedrich. So I'm free. Fallen. <laughs> so, Friedrich, you, Daz, and Cerberus kind of awaken after hitting the ground a little bit. And you find yourself in a, it looks to be a dark room. The only source of light right now is the giant hole above. And as you look around, Cerberus is lying on his side a little bit like, but he gets up and shakes it off. And then you look over at Dawes, who is a little unnerved, but she's doing okay as well. And she looks at you and says, what the hell is happening? I'm actually kind of getting a little terrified here. We had modified humanoids, and who knows, this might have been a sinkhole of some sorts. I don't know. But hey, try and stay with me, okay? Try and stay with me. Sure, I will try. And over the radio, Friedrich, you hear the same unfamiliar voice that you heard before. Good. It seems that the three of you are okay. I would have been a little worried had my uh, sonic devices taken you out of the equation too soon. Especially before I can get enough data on all of you. Well, you know who I am. Who the hell are you? Aww. I could tell you, but where's the fun in that, my friend? Tell you what. I need data. You need answers. I think that we can work together here. So, why don't you two follow this little nice little path to come and find me? And as he says that, that lights along the floor begin to light up and they create a path leading into a long hallway. And at the end of the singular hallway outlined in lights is a singular door. I kind of look at Doss and then glance at Cerberus and then back to Doss Unfortunately, all we can do right now is just play along. Stick close to me, you two. We start making our way. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, Das is just going to reply. Just non-verbally just gives you a nod. Then we're, I guess we're going to do the only thing we can do is go down that hallway. Okay. So you, you walk down the hallway and you've, without any problem you make your way to finding yourself in front of this door and 
as you are standing there, Friedrich, the only real thing, if you want your answers, you're going to need to open the door. And so in understanding that, I'm going to assume you open it. Yeah. So you open the door and you three walk inside. As you enter the door, it's dark. You can't really make out anything. And as the three of you make your way into the center of this darkness, the lights come on suddenly. And as you take a look around, you find yourself in what looks to be a child's bedroom, a little girl's bedroom, nonetheless. And what's interesting about this is that instead of decked out in like the typical little girl's bedrooms with like pink and purples and things like that, this bedroom is more decked out in like browns and oranges. And it is all of the decor is very reminiscent of the materials and the furnishings that you would find in a traditional Indian household from India. And as you're taking a look around this room, the door behind you closes and you hear a mechanical lock fall from behind. And as you turn back around to Cerberus and Dawes, you just see Dawes collapse to the floor, shaking and starting to sweat uncontrollably. And you just see the color from her face begin to drain as she's slowly starting to basically have a panic attack. I immediately kneel down next to her and I just hold on to her. And I'm, and I'm just saying, Das, Das, look at me. I need you to visit me here, okay? I need you to visit me. Come on, I need you to breathe, okay? Focus on me. And she, she feels you, but she's not responding the way you want her to. Her breathing becomes heavier, and she just looks to be lost in her own mind as she's having this panic attack. And from the radio, you hear, Then, let the test begin, shall we, Friedrich? I don't know how much your friend here, Officer Das, has told you about her past. I know you're familiar with the little incident that happened during her childhood. And it definitely left a mark on her. So what better way to help her get over her fears and to deconstruct the notion of trauma-induced memories than to have her overcome this fear by reliving this moment? So then... Thankfully, Friedrich, you're here with her. So let's see how much of a savior you think you really are. And at this moment, you start to hear what sounds to be a kind of hissing noise coming from the room. And within an instant, like the sound of when the stovetop kind of clicks a couple of times before the stove fire turns on. A similar notion happens here, and you begin to see the room catch on fire. And around the room, you start to hear a cacophony of uncomfortable screams and yelling 
as if most people would react when there's a ginormous blaze happening in a house fire. And as you look around this room on fire, Dawes just falls further to the ground and she begins to hold herself violently shaking and just telling herself, no, not again. I immediately grab Dawes, shake her like two times, and then I pull her face towards mine for her to have no other option but to look into my eyes. I say, Dawes, listen to me. Listen to me. I need you with me. I know what happened. We can get through this. But I need you. I need you with me. I want you to focus on me. Nothing else. Okay. Friedrich, I'm going to have you roll convince for me. Because you're trying to talk to Dawes to get her to calm down. So convince is what I'm going to have you roll. So what tags do you think apply to convincing Dawes to trust you and to calm her down? Being in my line of work, I've had to deal with people having panic attacks. So if it's okay with you, I would like to have seen it before. Okay. And considering how long me and Dawes have worked together, I want to have... It says police connections, but I'm just going to refer to it as connections. Because me and her have been close for a long time. And since Cerberus is still with us, I want man's best friend. Because he, he's a service dog, but he's still a dog. So he knows that when somebody's upset, he can try to help them feel better. Okay. So I'm going to push back a little bit. So the first tag, I will allow for seen it before. However, the way that we set up police connections that refers more towards your connections and to the police station and the work environment, we it is not defined by your personal relationship with Dawes. So I'm not going to count that one. And while I somewhat agree with your reasoning for man's best friend. Cerberus is trained to be a canine dog, and it is different training for therapy dogs when they are therapy dogs are used to help people with their anxiety and things like that. So I'm in this instance, I'm not going to allow that tag either. But I am going to allow the Yeah, I am going to allow the scene it before. So you have a plus one. Six and six plus one is thirteen. Damn, the dice, the dice have been blessing you today, and it's a good thing too. Okay, so that's a extraordinary success. So, Friedrich, I'm not gonna lie, I'm freaking out right now. <laughs> well, it's a good thing too because this is the most serious part of this case, and things are gonna, things are happening, <laughs> but Friedrich, as yeah, yep. As you are saying this to Dawes, and you're kind of reassuring and calming her, you see that she locks her eyes with yours. And you can see that while still reliving something that she hasn't gotten over 
she slowly gains her composure back and she just nods and tells you, okay, I trust you. And she suddenly she just grabs you and gives you a hug. And she just says, thank you. And says, let's figure out a way out. Oh, we will get out of here. Okay. So as you say this, the room continues to burst into flames. And you guys look for a way out. You try the door that you came in, but it is not unlocking. And as you take a look around, you notice that there is something scrawled onto a, the desk that has yet to been touched with the fire. And it says you need dig deep and you will find what you need. And as you take a look at that, I'm not going to make you roll with it because this is going to be part of that 13 with the convince. You read that to dig deep. And as you're walking towards it to get a closer look, you walk across the carpet on the floor and you like it's more like a throw rug. It's not like a carpet that's been stapled and glued down. It's like a throw rug and you feel something metallic underneath. And as you pull open the as you pull open the rug, you see what looks to be an escape latch underneath. Uh, I go to try to open it, see if it's locked. Okay, you go and tug at it and it opens up easily for you. All right, I'll look over at Dos and Cerberus and I say, go now. Without hesitation, Dawes dives in first and Cerberus follows after her. And then after Cerberus goes, goes Friedrich. Okay, so the three of you jump into this manhole cover. And I imagine it like a comical cartoon scene where it's like um, the slide, like in Emperor's New Groove that Yzma and Kronk go down. And so it's like, exactly, it's this long winding like metallic slide as you guys are running down this hatch. And then the three of you simultaneously flop out onto the floor, landing on top of each other. And as you gain, go through my head. I just had Kronk go through my head. It's more fun when you put your hands up. You... Either uh, that or King Julian. It's more fun when you put your arms in the air like this, Maurice. Love to see it. But as the three of you, for better all intents, is flop on the floor, you gain your composure. And as you look up, you find yourself what looks to be in. You find yourself what looks to be a giant monitor room with lots of different computer screens and things set up. And as you look basking in the light of the computer glow, you see a frail looking man in a wheelchair and he turns around and looks at you and says, ah, so it appears that you have arrived more quickly than I had thought. But good job on digging deep and escaping the inferno. Just wheels himself over to you. Friedrich, you recognize this voice as the person that was on the radio. And as this person turns around, you see the more defined gentleman, very elderly in his kind of looking to be late 50s, early 60s in his wheelchair. 
and kind of wheels himself over to you. And it's like, good on you three for surviving. The name is Maximilian Drake. At your service. Meanwhile. <laughs> Cor- Hell, hell's yep. coming. So, Corey, you arrive at the Ferris wheel. You get out of the car and you just bolt towards it. Because oh, he knows how this is probably going to go. He's going to turn the bat into the ring and put a glove over his hand to hide, hide it. Like gloves over his hand so he can hide the ring. As he's going to take out his gun and leave it in the car because he's, pro- because he's probably going to say, Hey, no weapons. He knows how this is probably going to go. Okay. And then he's going to start bolting. Okay. So you bolt towards the Ferris wheel. Yeah. As you take a look at the Ferris wheel, st- just standing there is an elderly gentleman with a grain, with grain g- ginger red hair and beard, dressed. Essentially, he's dressed like he, he is an extra in Peaky Blinders. <laughs> oh, boy. Long coat, tie, all that stuff, very mobster-esque. And he just looks at you and says, Ah, lad, you got here a lot quicker than I thought you would. I actually care about my family. Oh. Now, Corey, that's no way to treat your dad. And it's been, what, years since we last spoke to each other? I've missed you, my boy. This is no way to talk to your father. Upon reuniting. Yes, Corey's just like the same. Like, what? What do you want? It's nothing, really. I just wanted to see what my kids was up to. Yes, mm. that completely makes sense. That would make sense. For the most part, if you didn't kidnap my, my kids. But that was your usual MO. If you actually wanted to do research, know what I was up to, you just sit from the back. Just watch. So something's up here. Yeah, you know how it goes. But there is one little thing, lad, that mm-hmm. you have wrong. Oh? Of course. And as he gestures with his hand, a crow appears and flies on top next to his flies on his shoulder and just says, your daughters were never here. And as he says that, you see the raven mimic the voice as of your girl's Corey before he dismisses it and it flies away. Corey's keeping an eye, but but he is slightly re- relieved. I don't know, lad, what kind of monster you make me out to be, but I would never hurt a child. Or at least my granddaughters, at least. Sure. Corey's keeping the eye on this situation because something's gonna happen. Hi, Cody. And kind of just looks around. I remember you used to come in here when you were younger. I always told your mother that it would be making you soft, but she never liked to listen to me. True. But I believe her way of life did make me a better man in the end. One can... We can disagree on that, but that's neither here nor there. Fair yeah, I will say I was surprised to find out that you have two daughters. I was even more surprised to find out that you 
got married and settled down. Everything can be a surprise. We live it and we grow. Do we, though? Do men like us actually learn and grow? Or are we just lying to ourselves with our true nature? Depends on everyone's point of view. I believe that, though. That's all I care about. Hi, Corey. You're just as stubborn as ever. But that's to be expected. You were never one to listen to reason, and you were never one to listen to... I am my father's son, after all. Aye, that is true. That is very true, lad. I'm sure, though, that Officer Dawes feels differently about you now, doesn't she? Yes. But, to be fair, I was going to write that wrong. Especially... So I do have a question, as he's going to go to, the, to his phone in his pocket and hit, re- with, a vo- with the camera hit record. Why did you start that fire? Oh, it seems that we're misremembering the situation, Cody. I don't misremember anything. Oh, lad. It was you who started it, not me. Nope. I clearly remember differently. And you can see your father, Corey, just smiles and says, Hey, lads, if only you had listened to me, I wouldn't have to have taken such extreme measures in order for you to understand that men like us, men with powers like us, we have no rhyme or reason to be attached to this mortal plane. We have every reason to be attached to this plane. So it keeps us sane. Make sure that we make sure we do what needs to be done if it has to be done. Make sure that we know what's wrong from right. Sure, I may be a bad person some days. I've done my crimes and sins. But at least I know that they are. And I don't just take life frivolously. There must that will always leave a mark on anyone's soul. And I know that more than anyone. So at this notion, Corey, your father's more laid back, carefree attitude that he has presented through this conversation so far turns more to an air of disgust and just looks at you. So you still value your humanity. Oh, lads, have you learned nothing from all the lessons I gave you when you were younger? Did you not learn that lesson with the passing of your mother. And I even had to go to extreme lengths to try to teach you that lesson with the passing of your wife. It seems that I, that was not enough for you to abandon it. Uh, Corey's hands are literally balls of his. So you're the one who awakened it. Well, of course. The best way to awaken the rift pa- powers at least according to what Dr. Drake has told me, is to try to induce a more traumatic response. And that traumatic response allows the powers of the rifts to be awakened within in sleepers. So I had to do everything that I can to make sure you manifested your powers and you realized how much more you can be. I'm, okay, I'm sorry that I'm laughing so much on that. It's all good, I don't mean, worry about it. <laughs> no, I, no, Corey. Oh, gotcha. Sorry. 
You've never awakened anything from me. My friends... My friend gave me something that allowed me to do that. And I thank him daily for that. Anyone can pick up a relic and become like us. Sure. Some don't embrace it. I've, I did embrace it a little bit, I will not lie. But it only allowed me to do what needed to be done. Well then, it seems that... And as he says this, he, your father stands up more straight. It seems that there is no convincing you. But, eh, I think that might change down the road. And he begins walking towards you, Corey. And as he begins walking towards you, he's just not breaking eye contact. And as he gets close, he just walks past you, heading past you and heading past the SUV, just walking. Corey's going to let this happen as he's going to look for the other people. Okay. And as you begin to leave, you just hear your father at the top of voices. We'll meet again, lad. Oh, one more thing. The Fisher King says hi. He's expecting expect a visit from him soon. As your father turns back around, transforms into a raven and begins to fly off as you go looking for your compatriots. Yeah. I can't I let me put it this way. I rolled Corey O'Reilly's did, did keep his humanity right at the end there. Oh yeah, I love it. Uh, let, let me put it this way. With that roll, if it failed, he would have stopped holding back. Yeah. But let's go find the friends. Okay. So as you run looking around. I'm gonna stop you... I'm gonna stop the recording on my phone. Yeah. So you run around and you end up searching. Eventually you come across Dawes and Holiday who are intersect and collide into you, Corey. And Quinn just looks at you. Corey, we don't got time. Friedrich, Cerberus, and Dawes are missing. We need to find them. I'm worried yeah. after here. Yeah, I, yeah, I kind of figured that out. Also, we got bigger problems as well. What do you mean, Corey? What bigger problems are there than missing our missing friends at the He's moment? back, Eddie. And by he, you mean... My father. Quinn's eyes just go wide. Oh, dear. That does not bode well for anybody. Yeah. I figured out what he finally wants from me. Quinn kind of looks like he's about to ask, and then Holiday kind of chimes in. You two can talk about this later. We need to find the rest of them. To the we'll talk about Yeah, so you guys run towards the sound of where you feel the like explosion originated from and you fight in the hole. I'm assuming you're jumping in. I'm going to make a table to soften the landing somewhat or surf down into the hole. Okay. So you do so, Corey, and then Dawes and Holiday follow right behind. You end up on to the ground inside the hole where the path is light, where the path lights up, leading you to a door leading you to a hallway and as you follow this path it leads you to a set of stairs going downwards the three of you go down go ahead yep we're just i'm just rushing through okay so the three of you head down the stairs and you find yourself into a metallic door 
where you open it and inside you see an elderly man in a wheelchair as well as Friedrich Daz and Cerberus kind of having a conversation with him. And as the yep. door swings open, this elderly gentleman to you, Corey, turns to you and says, ah, so it sees. So I see that Mr. O'Reilly Sr. is finished with his conversation with you, Corey. And everybody's here, so. Are you Dr. Kind of, ah, so your father did tell you about me. Yes, I am Dr. Maximum. Immediately punched in the face. Okay. Are you sure that, you want to do that? Has his anger. But as he says, that's for my wife. So, Corey, I'm going to have you roll before you hit him. I'm going to have you roll a go toe to toe. Yeah, Corey's not the smartest right now. So all that we have is the plus from Tavern Brawler and Super Strength. Yeah, so those two would work in this instance. It's a 14. Okay, so that's an extraordinary success. So you deck Dr. Drake in the face and he gets pushed back a little bit in his wheelchair and massages the impact of his jaw. But he begins to laugh. <laughs> excellent. Most excellent. This is what I've been looking for. Sorry. Had to do it. <laughs> no, my boy. No, my boy. This this is good. This is good. This I wasn't is speaking, my th- I wasn't this speaking is- to you. I was speaking to them. Drake is in the room, so he's responding anyway. Says, this is good, boy. This is exactly what I'm looking for. Yes, this is... Ooh. Oh, I knew I chose correctly when I chose you as my test subjects. Let's go. As Corey's just... I believe he's easily arrested. He's in a wheelchair. Go do your things. Alrighty, so... Yeah, so that happened. So... Drake just says, arrest me? Um... What proof do you have that I have done anything wrong, my friends? Well, kidnapping law enforcement, uh, kidnapping in general, assault and battery. There's several different things, but we want answers. What the hell is going on here? I believe it's something to do with my father and someone named the Fisher King. Am I wrong? The Fisher King? I'm afraid I have no idea what you're talking about, Corey. Okay, then. All I was simply doing here was just running my tests and trying to prove my theory right when it comes to rifts. Oh, and what is that theory? It is my personal belief that rifts, as we all know, there is some other mythological power that are blessed upon individuals who awaken to the rift power. And I believe that infused with the powers of whatever mythological figure is inside of each of the rifts, they can't help but give in to those impulses and fall into the nature of the rifts. And lose themselves in the process. I believe that we are slaves to these powers. And that when presented with the right stimuli, so to speak, it can elicit a reaction. 
and that we just can't help but give in to our powers. Isn't that right, Officer Does? And as you turn to her, you start to see that her eyes begin to flicker that orange mandala that you become familiar with when she's accessing her rift powers. And they start to glow a bright orange. And that just proves my point. So for laughing. It's just... I just got the... You kind of had the same philosophy as my father. He was my partner all those years ago, so it would be he would be familiar with our work since he was my partner on this project. Yes, but I still believe that you're wrong about it. I punched you because I really wanted to punch you, not because Agda wanted to punch you. Oh, that was my choice. That would probably put you to sleep, and then maybe killed you, but probably put you in a dungeon. If I'm going to be all honest. Oh, if you must arrest me, I will offer up no resistance. And besides, I think it won't be too long now. What the hell did you do? Oh, I didn't do anything. Great me at least getting out of there because he knows some shit is up. No, Dr. Drake is just just sitting there. No, he he no, he believes something's going on, so he's trying to get out of there to see what the hell's happening to the city. Okay. So, as so, with this, Dr. Drake rolls up to you, Friedrich, and just puts his hands out and says, Officer Krupp, if you would do the honors, please read me my Miranda rights and we'll get through this nice and without any issue. As he just smiles at you. You better vibe that smile off your face before I vibe it off for you. Oh, there's no need to be so hostile, Officer Krupp. I'm not offering any resistance. In fact, I'm going willingly. I know you have a job to do. I'm just trying to help you along, is all. I'm going to take my handcuffs and my spare set of handcuffs and literally just cuff each wrist down to the, uh, the arms of his wheelchair. And, of course, freedom is Miranda rights. And I'm going to have Quinn push the wheelchair, and I'm going to walk with Doss. Okay. So Quinn, Holiday, and Corey, you guys take the lead a little bit with Quinn pushing Dr. Drake. Cerberus, and with you, Friedrich, and you two are walking alongside Doss as the mandalas in her eyes are still glowing a bright orange. I'm going to just gently put my hand on her shoulder. Okay. As you do so, the mandalas are still there, but they begin to fade into the more standard orange that you're used to. And after a few moments, they disappear and her regular eye color returns. And she just continues walking forward, not even acknowledging anybody at this point. I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to walk there with her, with Cerberus at our side. And just GTFO. Okay. So all of you guys make your way out of the well, underground laboratory, for a better t- term, so to speak. And... 
as you make your way back up to the surface of the fairground, you start to you are all greeted with the modified individuals that you saw earlier just waiting for you and staring at you. And they just look at you with such distance in their eyes. And at this point, Dr. Drake speaks up. Now, now, my children, we talked about this before. It's like, I have to go away for a little bit, but you have all you need here. So make sure you take care of each other and I'll be home very soon. But in the meantime, do no harm to these officers and their friends. I'll be okay. As he smiles. Dr. Drake, the reason why we came here originally was for a woman. Do you know where she might be? Oh, you mean Mrs. Woodsworth? Yes. Yeah, I thought she would be an interesting test subject, but she turned out not to be exactly what I was looking for. Let's see if I remember correctly. Ah, you know what? And he points over to two of his quote-unquote children, and he says something, and just for the sake of the narrative, he says something in Greek, and he tells them, and they go, and they... Come pushing a large kind of what used to it looks to be a modified like hot dog cart, <laughs> but cart green gurney. yeah, large gurney. And he commands them to pop open the lid in Greek. And then inside is an unconscious L Woodsworth. And you can tell that she's dressed in a red and black flannel like work like Timbaland boots, blue jeans, large frame, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pick ahead. her up. I'm all also right. going to guess you didn't kill Mr. Naomi. What was his name again? Mr. David Guyen, you mean? Yeah, G- Guyen. No, unfortunately. Well, technically, he did it to himself because he fell into his rift nature. And he lusted after Mrs. Ellsworth's wife. And so I set up a little test with him where I had a mechanical version of what his heart desired. And he fell for it like I expected him to. Of course, I needed to see the adverse effects of such a reaction. So I may or may not have coded the mechanized mannequin with a little bit of my own concoction of a green poison lipstick, which apparently worked wonders from what I hear, since he went into cardiac arrest and then shortly died and crashed his car, according to what I've been told. So, Friedrich, is that also manslaughter? I believe that would be involuntary manslaughter. You know what? We're gonna, for a little bit of spice, we're gonna throw brainwashing in there because he... he tricked someone into thinking they were uh, kissing somebody that apparently wasn't really there. Oh, but I assure you, Friedrich, I oh, had no... Oh, and by no the way, we're also going with identity theft as well. I'm gonna go get the SUV. Okay. Which is somewhat beat up. Oh, okay. and uh, for notes, Miss Woodworth is still alive, right? She's just unconscious? Yeah, she's still yeah. alive. Dr. Drake might be a little bit of a mad psychiatrist, but he's not. A, no, I don't want to say murderer, but 
Yeah. He just he just talked about how he just killed a man. Yeah, he murdered. Don't worry about it. Okay, no, that's, he, that's out of character. I'm sorry. Dr. Drake never admitted to killing Mr. David Nguyen. Mr. Nguyen fell into his base desires, or at least according to Dr. Drake, that's what he did. Yeah. Yeah, so Corey, you go get the SUV. And as you get the SUV and all of you start finding your way towards it, Dr. Drake just looks at the distant horizon of the fairground as you wait to load him in. And then he turns his head towards the direction of the city and kind of says, Do all of you have your winter gear ready? Always ready for winter. Oh, I feel like you're going to need it a lot sooner than you think. (laughs) And he kind of smiles and says, Because she'll be making her visit very soon. Who will be making it, sir? Oh, you'll find out in no time. Shysta, answer me. He won't. He's like my father. They just pray and wait. They'll give you what you, they'll give you what information they know you want at the time they find it convenient to help themselves. You know, for I, a little bit of flair, if anybody is listening, you can hear a very faint, animalistic guttural growl coming from Friedrich. I, I tap Friedrich on the soldier. Save it. You got a big, got a bigger one than this man coming to this in this city again. Expect a lot more deaths to appear. Friedrich doesn't now, say anything. He just nods. Now, Officer Krupp, best not let Cerberus get a hold of you. And Doctor Drake just smiles. Yeah, it's going to be getting very chilly soon, so you may want to bundle up and keep warm. Because things are going to get a little more cold. And just smiles. Oh, then, Officer Krupp, Mr. O'Reilly, if you would be so kind, you may take me into the SUV and we can make our way back to the precinct. It's been a while oh, since I've talked to the chief. Oh, shit. Oh, well, yeah. I'm, I'm going to go. That was out of character. Corey's just going to go to his car. And start driving to the station. Okay. In this modified SUV, when we open up the hatch, there's a little ramp. I'll just say there's a little ramp that we can unfold in case we have to take somebody in, or if hypothetically somebody's lost and they're in a wheelchair or something, we can roll their wheelchair up into the back of the SUV. Okay. But, but yeah, we take him out of we take him out of the wheelchair. Cuff his hands behind his back, put him in the back seat, and then we put his wheelchair back into the SUV. And then we also are going to make our way to the back to the precinct. Okay. Alrighty, so you guys get into your cars and you make your way over to the to the cars. You get in, you begin making your way towards the city. And as you all are driving, you have a lot of questions that need to be answered. And Corey, with your father back into play, and Friedrich, you trying to understand exactly what it is that Dawes experienced when she was younger. 
both of you seem to have been wrapped up into something that's a lot bigger than you had originally thought than a car crash and a victim of the crash. And as you all slowly make your way over to the precinct with these questions in mind, you all become aware that things are about to get more sinister in a sense. And that there's somebody hiding in the shadows, just waiting for them to come to the light. And that, my friends, is where we're going to end the session there. Damn. Before we technically end the session, I forgot to mention, as we're making our way back to precinct, I call a paramedic unit to meet us up at a certain place. Because we also have Miss Woodworth with us. And we're going to have them transport her to a hospital. Okay. So, yeah, so that happens. So when we come back for next time, we're going to go through the epilogue of this case and close out what is left of this little story arc. So Dr. Maximilian Drake has entered the picture. What kind of relation does he have with the chief? Who is this mysterious figure that he speaks of? In order to find that out, you all are going to have to come back and tune in to another episode of Knights of Pain Town, a City of Miss actual play podcast. So as always, from us to you listening audience, thank you so much. And remember, from all of us here at the Vibe Tribe, take care of each other, love one another, and let those good times roll. We will see you next episode. Take care. Auf Wiedersehen. Bye. Have a good time. <laughs>